and welcome to Posting Up, Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, National NBA writer for the Washington Post, and it's very late on Saturday night slash Sunday morning in Oklahoma City, where I'm with my good friend Sam Amick after one of the best games I've ever seen, both well, definitely the best in person, one of the best I've ever seen, period, the Golden State Warriors beating the Oklahoma City Thunder to force a Game 7 in the Western Conference Finals. So, Sam... How's it going? And first off, just what were your impressions on uh, on a pretty wild night in Oklahoma City? Timmy, first of all, there, there's no qualifier as far as one of the best games. I mean, I've covered this league for a while. You have too. That's the best game I've ever been in that period. Not yeah. Even close. I mean, the humbling part, so the two that come to mind for me, Lakers-Celtics 2010 NBA Finals was pretty memorable. Heat-Spurs right. in the finals, Game 7, pretty memorable. But tonight, I, I found myself, and I'm going to write this tomorrow, like, basically... Good, you're giving away your columns on I the am. podcast. I like indeed, that. <laughs> indeed. See, but you can't steal it, because you can't, you can't replicate the different that, conversations I had. That's true. But I, I was taking a pulse with people who had seen a lot more I NBA saw that last year. And not even just players. So Del Curry, you know, obviously father of Steph Curry, played in the league 16 years, you know, was asking Del, you know, where does this rank for you? Asking Luke Walton two-time champion with the Lakers, seen plenty of basketball himself, and, you know, who else did I ask? Ron Adams. Ron Adams, yeah. Yeah, Ron Adams. I was going to say, when you said that, I saw who you were talking to, so yeah. Right, was another one. But even other offshoots of that, Mark Stein from ESPN, who's covered the league much longer than I have, and even the one and only Charles Barkley, who, as you know, we spent some time with tonight after the game. I mean, Chuck was the one for me where he didn't really – you know, quantify where this stood for him, but the fact that he sat there and chewed on it, considering everything he's seen. Right. The fact that he even thought about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like there was not an ounce of, you know, Chuck looking at stupid reporters and (laughs) acting like it was all hyperbole. Yeah. Like, no, everybody was, you know, just in awe of what happened tonight. It was an amazing game, and, and there's so many factors to it. It's the stakes. You know, you got two teams with so much on the line. I mean, the Warriors narrative all season long, was that they were destined to be repeat champions. And we thought this was going to be the beginning of a dynasty. Right. And the playoffs have unfolded in a much different way. Yep. OKC comes out with so much force and will, and, and their last three weeks has been incredible. You know, and you're at home, and you've got Durant's free agency, things of that nature. So you have kind of these colliding forces that have created a hell of a story for all of us to cover. And, and it was a lot of fun to be at well, it's funny, man. Like you and I have basically been together for about a month now because I was at the whole Spurs Thunder Series. You jumped on after game two. Right. Right? You were yeah. here in Oklahoma City for three and four. Right, right. And uh, I, I don't think I don't think a lot of people have given the Thunder enough credit all the way through. They play that series against the Spurs. They end up winning in six games. And people came away from that mostly just saying, oh, the Spurs were old. Spurs didn't have enough guys who could score besides LaMarcus and Kawhi. The Spurs kind of gave away a couple games late. And people credited the Thunder, but I don't think they credit them as much as they would have if, like you and me, they'd spin it just about every game, or in my case, every game, and seen the jump this team made. Like, even tonight, I think people are going to look at this game incorrectly if they look at the last five minutes and say that the Thunder blew this game. Like, yeah, the Thunder got outscored 19-5 to in the last five minutes. They had some poor turnovers down the stretch, but uh, to me... My lasting memory of this game is not going to be that the Thunder gave this game away. It's going to be that two Hall of Fame players, Clay Thompson, Stephen Curry, won the game for the Thunder 
or for the Warriors, in a way that the only thing that I could compare it to is a game I was feeling like this was light going into it, which is Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Finals in 2012, when I know it was a little different circumstance because LeBron James hadn't won a championship yet. Well, LeBron James went into that game with a hell of a lot on the line. He had, he had this team, didn't, if they didn't win that game, Chris Bosh was probably going to get traded. All kinds of things might happen. You have this Warriors team that's won 73 games. It's a team that, like, you know, if they win the championship, they're going to be the greatest team of all time. All that's on the line. They're playing a team with multiple Hall of Famers on it, just like LeBron was. And to have those two guys come out and play the way they did and finish off that game in just a completely bonkers environment is pretty, uh, it's pretty remarkable stuff. It was. I mean, the moments on press row when we kind of let our guard down and just enjoy it are few and far between because we're all kind of a grumpy, you know, just <laughs> Most of us. jaded bunch. You're, you're still relatively new. You'll get there. Don't worry. But honestly, like, you know, you're obviously objective. and But there's this kind of neutral zone where when the greatness happens – you just gotta enjoy it. Everybody, for all for all the for all the, the talk that people are crotchety basketball writers, it, 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 you know people are excited. Got like everybody everybody that covered that game tonight was excited, and everyone got at, even more excited as that game went along. Guys are making plays. Here's how big a night it was, Tim, and anybody who knows me, and you're one of those people. I took a nap. <laughs> I don't take naps. I can't stand naps. But I was tired. I didn't get a lot of sleep the night before. I took a nap because I had to be ready for this game. Right. Me too. And I wanted, sounds really cheesy, but because I swear to God, I cannot stand naps. I I just, my whole life, I'm not good at naps. But I just, I was pretty run down. Right. And I just decided that I didn't want to, you know, find myself in the third quarter of an amazing basketball game. Right. Wishing I could go to bed. Thankfully, that didn't happen. Yeah. And what we saw was unbelievable. You know, and, and shameless plug, number two. Clay Thompson column on usatodaysports.com. Like Clay, he was the only steady part of the Warriors arsenal. He's been night. the best he's been he's been at worst the second best player in the entire playoffs behind LeBron. So he he's at leading worst. the Warriors in scoring. Yeah, this is what it's I been, looked up. Yeah, it's 26 been fantastic. and a half per game. And that's kind of deceiving because Steph is number 2, but Steph obviously missed quite a few games. Right. And so Clay has been steady Eddie. He's been the guy. And yeah, he was there all the way through. They were you know, what was the biggest deficit in the first half? They were down 13. 13. I mean, you know, this thing was on the verge of getting away. Well, there were a few points in the first, in the second quarter. There was one, Deion Waiters, Deion Waiters had a wide open corner, three up 12. The place was ready to explode. They got up by 13. They had a couple shots, I think, to push it to 15 again. They just couldn't ever quite, crowd was ready to just take over the game. Just right. like they did in game three and four in the second quarter. And they just never quite were able to get that bucket. Remember me, you, and Michael Lee, we were sitting there at halftime thinking, man, Warriors at five, like they got to feel great. Yeah. Getting this down to five after our first half, they didn't play great. And when the Thunder had them on the ropes a couple times. Ten turnovers in the first half. And Clay, I think, had 13 or he had 16 the first half. He's the only one double figures. He's the only reason they were even close to being in the game. Right. No, I mean, Clay's the MVP of the game. He's the MVP of the postseason for them. And I think it's just time for all of us to realize that just because the guy doesn't like doing media and just because the guy could care less if you realize that he's as good as he is like he needs more attention he needs to be appreciated this dude can shoot more not more importantly but as importantly this dude can defend and, yeah and, and say what best you, he might be the best two-way guard in the entire league right i mean say it might be fun, the single best one funny story about that like how much time flies two summers ago i go cover fiba world cup in spain yeah sit down with clay 
in a hotel uh, room. I forget which hotel it was, but it was in Barcelona. And we're sitting there, and it was kind of set up by his agent, Bill Duffy. Right. And I don't think Bill would mind me sharing this story. No, I remember, I know, I know, like, remember the exact story you wrote. And Bill, he, he, I think he had an on-the-record quote about how... Bill I said he thought he was the best two-guard in the league, Yeah, right? but, he, but he prefaced it by saying, I don't want to tick off Kobe. <laughs> but, but at the time, it was a little bit sacrilege to talk about little old Clay Thompson being right. the best two-way shooting guard in the league. And we're seeing it right now. And, and that particular FIBA World Cup, and I've said this a million times, I, I learned that summer how good of a defender Clay can be because when Coach K had him playing like 17, 18 minutes a game, you could let him loose in fifth gear, and you saw how good he was at, at defending the ball. Yeah. but Well, the thing people forget, not to completely sidetrack you, and we've talked about this before, is people don't remember that when – when those guys, because Steph and Clay were both on that team, yeah. and when they came back from that World Cup, people were thinking that Clay might have eclipsed Steph for right. a minute as the best player in the league, which is hilarious now, given what's happened the last two years. But that's how good Clay was in that tournament. I mean, he was spectacular Tim, at both ends of the court. They come home, right? They win the gold, and it was kind of awkward. They come home and they have a press conference with the local media. And by press conference, I'm talking like two chairs and reporters gathered around right. pretty casual but they sat down and i forget the exact quote but there was a moment you could look it up i mean everybody wrote it where clay was asked about how well he played and he was very sheepish and steph kind of looked at him and basically said like go on ahead man like this is your moment like he gave him the green light to not be shy about the fact that he had been better than steph in that tournament and you're right you know i mean things changed quickly from there steph had an amazing season was even better this year. Um, I mean, there's so many layers to this whole thing. But this Warriors team, I did go into game six. You know, everybody's running around saying, what do you think is going to happen? What's your prediction? I did predict, like a lot of other folks, I thought the Warriors could pull it off. And I, I just kind of, I leaned on the body of work. The fact that you watch them do what they did all season long and the magic that they created over and over again. There's a weird part of it that feels like it's fitting that only they could come back from a 3-1 deficit. Now, We'll see what happens in Game 7 on Monday. It's not a gimme whatsoever, but uh, even the fact that they got there is pretty unbelievable. Well, yeah, and, and you know, I was just out with some people, some other writers talking about it, and, and they were kind of saying, oh, I think the, you know, I think this game is, is you know, they're going to definitely win this game on Monday. And I mean, look, odds are the Warriors are going to win 80% of the time. Um, the home team wins a Game 7, but I've seen – I mean, I haven't covered the league that long. I've been at two game sets where the road team won. The Nets lost to the Bulls at home in 2013, the following year. They went to Toronto and won. Um, and look, the Thunder have, you know, for, for Clay Thompson and Steph Curry having Hall of Fame games as future Hall of Famers today, the Thunder got a pair of Hall of Famers. And those guys could combine to score 70 or 80 points and win a game. You know, they had 70 points in game five, and that game was not over until the last 30 seconds of the game. There's no reason they couldn't do what they did in game one again, hang around. Just basically, they did in game one what the Warriors did in game six. They hung around and hung around and hung around the last five minutes of the game. They made a couple more plays and they won a game. Right. There's no reason they can't do the same thing. You know, one of the interesting parts of me or for me about the Thunder is, you know, each team can only check so many boxes. These are human beings. You know, they run out of steam. They run out of focus. And, and you know, you got to decide which boxes you're going to check. Durant's night, to me, is interesting because his defense was unbelievable. He has not got nearly enough credit. His no. defense, I mean, he, he has defense on Kawhi Leonard, 
And then his defense, this whole series, and wherever he's guarding, I mean, he's got he had Steph completely spooked for most of the game. He took Steph remarkable. out of the game in the yeah, first half. Did completely. There was that one play early on. Steph drives the lane, and the only human being between him and the rim is Kevin. Right. And I mean, he—I I didn't see it all year long. He just swallowed him up like he a, traveled. It was like a well, he did. He, he traveled because he didn't know what to do. Right. Well, that was the first play, and the then the second play. play was when Steph got second swallowed play, up like tra- a praying yeah. mantis. Right. <laughs> he try. He goes ahead and like tries to challenge him because at that point, you know, you're not going to travel again, so you might as well attack the rim. And it just didn't work. He swallowed him up. Right. So he takes him out of the game completely. So I mean, I know folks are killing Kevin tonight because they look at the box score and they see the shooting, but his defense was unbelievable. Well, and people have to remember, if you're going to play 40, you know, what do you play, 45, 46 minutes, and you're going to play insane defense the whole game, you're probably going to be a little tired. And look, the Warriors are smart. They've been throwing two guys at him every play the entire series. They've got one of the all, one of the great perimeter defenders of this era in um, – and Andre Iguodala in his face, 37, 38 minutes of the game. And, you know, you're just going to wear guys down doing that eventually. Like, even even a guy like Kevin Durant. And look, you know, like I said, those guys didn't make a couple plays late. But I, I just, I think anybody who walks away from this game trying to take shots at the Thunder is just missing the bigger picture. I just really do. No, I agree. I mean, I will say, though, I mean, fourth quarter, and I'm stealing from our, our TNT buddies that we spent time with tonight. I mean... There's some criticism coming regarding Kevin and Russ not leaning on the others, as Sir Charles calls them. I mean, there were guys in the corner wide open where the extra pass should have been made, and it wasn't. There was a lot of hero ball late. Um, The contrast of styles, as it has been all series long, is is interesting because, and I'm cheating and looking at the box score here. Right. I mean, you got Kevin and Russ combined 1 of 13 from beyond the arc. Yeah, you know the Thunder is a team, three of twenty-three. You know the only reason the Warriors are still alive here, he had twenty-one threes. You know, right. tw- twenty-one out of forty-four. Right. I mean that's that's why they're alive. They they stayed in the rebounding game. Yeah. And that was part of it. Yeah. Um, you know, and they played D. They I think the Thunder shot forty-two percent. So, but the three-point ball, you know, to the surprise of no one, has kept them alive. And so, right, they outscored them by fifty-four points. You know. Yeah, just go outscore a team by fifty four at the three point line. You're probably. I mean, the puzzling even in they barely did. So Russ misses all five of his threes, and I've been kind of a hater on that in the postseason. So that doesn't surprise you. No, I mean you don't expect Kevin to go one for eight. Yeah, he's had a lot of rim in and out. Yeah, just wasn't his night. Right, and you know, and again, there's a lot of layers to this, but one that's certainly worth mentioning is is at halftime, Coach Steve Kerr and his staff they decided to put Andre Iguodala. In the starting lineup, I talked to Luke Walton about that move, and you know, I, I kind of tried to get him to give me the backstory on who made that call. Well, you know, what, what was that discussion like? And he just, he kind of kept it general. He said it was halftime, trying to figure out things that'll work. Decided to go that route, and I mean, that paid off. I mean, he had some huge steals late, just terrorized Kevin all through the second half. Oh, and you know what? He's not going to get a lot of credit for it, but Harrison Barnes was way better in the second half, too. That was probably the best half he played of the whole series. Yeah. I mean, that's a guy who's got a lot of criticism from a lot of people. He's going to be a free agent this summer. There's a lot of talk about whether he might get a max contract and whether he's worth it or not. But, I mean, look, it would be easy for a guy in his spot. You know, there's plenty of guys who've gotten benched in that kind of a spot and kind of curled up into a ball, and he 
he stepped up and he had a monster. He had a huge three late. He was out there in that that death lineup for a lot of the second half. That mm-hmm. you know he was he was a monster for them. Um, you know, and Andrew Bogut too. Like you know, you wrote after Game Five about Bogut and how essential he has been really to Golden State's turnaround. Going back to that kind of being the foundational moment when everything started to change when they traded Monte Ellis for him. But you know, again, he was able to give them twenty seven minutes tonight. He was pretty good. Um, he was kind of, he was a force for most of the game and defensively at the rim and and when he's on the court you can just see how much different this team is against the Thunder. Absolutely, I, I don't have the the quarter by quarter in front of me. I was trying to look at the the Serge Ibaka factor. What, Serge ends up with 13 points. I feel like he had like 11 in the first half. Yeah. So Serge, you know, fell off late. Stephen Adams. I mean, to me, the Bogut situation you bring up is interesting because Adams doesn't get in foul trouble tonight. 28 minutes, and it mitigates a little bit what Bogut's able to do, but but it was enough. You know yep. what I mean? You didn't completely lose the big man battle, and so the, the glass wasn't OKC's to have. And he, he for all the credit he gets, or for all, the, for all the criticism he gets, I mean, when he's in the game, he's still an elite defensive center. And for a Thunder team that really tries to get to the rim as much as possible, you can you can just see that, that when Russ and those guys are going to the rim and Bogut's there, he makes a huge difference. By the way, Timmy, just because this is a fun running storyline between you and I, and his cancer with a plus fifteen. <laughs> he well, he 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 was in there for a couple of their runs. He only played ten minutes. He played ten minutes. He was in there. He was in. You know, and, I, and Billy Donovan deserves some credit for that because basically he spotted Canner whenever Maurice Maurice Spates or Bogut was on a court. He's able to get him in a game in short bursts where he could do a little bit. And anytime he was out there, the one time he got out there with the small lineup, it didn't work out very well. But it was such a limited couple possession thing, they're able to get him out. But you know, if, if you can get him out there against a big guy, he can do some damage. But and and Billy gets deserves some credit for making sure he didn't get caught in too many bad matchups. Yeah, although I mean, it's always easy to second guess. I feel like based on how effective he was, I mean, ten minutes is. That's kind of tough. The, but here's the, the thing, one. though. The last three games, really the last three and a half games, the reason the Thunder have started playing so much better is it have been so good is they've basically gone to a six-man lineup. Yeah. You know, they played Deion Waiters and their starters. And I think when you look at when you look at how this game has played out, I kind of thought about it after game four. I was thinking, man, you know, the longer the series goes, if you're only playing six guys, and the, and the, the Warriors only played six guys tonight, too, so you know maybe that will catch up to them a bit in game seven. But, you know, if you're only playing six guys, basically well, uh, 30 minutes a game, if you're getting three, four games into the series, it could be tough if you're playing every other day. Yeah, I mean, six plus Livingston at 13 minutes for the Warriors. Um, right. Well, and Canner played 10 as the seventh guy for the for right. Thunder. But it's just, you know, the Thunder have just been basically going six, going small, and just, and they're, they're playing so hard just throughout the game. I mean, listen, the, the coaching moves are fast and furious, and these lineups are coming in and out. These guys have to make the right calls, and, and you can always have. You can bring the scrutiny. Oh, and I don't even mean that as a second guess. Like Bill, Billy Dunham's done a he's done incredible an job. job. Great job. That's, I'm not but second I, guessing at all. He's doing what he has to do. You can't play Canner. But I'm admittedly you gotta you gotta ride it and hope it works out. Listen, if you if you if you have an 800 batting average, you're doing pretty. Damn oh good. yeah. But the one tonight that I do think came back to bite him a little bit is you go hack a bogut with Robertson. Yeah, right. Yeah. Andre Robertson, a Robertson. Robertson screwed and, up his name. That's all right. Andre Robertson getting that getting that extra foul yeah. lineup really cost them because he ended up he was unbelievable in this game. Yeah, you know he was the one guy that they gave Clay Thompson any trouble and right. 
like coming into these playoffs, I thought he was a good defender, but he has he has really been a monster for them. And uh, and it's funny too, you know who the only guy who scored a field goal in the last five minutes was? It was Andre Robertson. Put back, back with two minutes and twenty seconds left to put them up. 101-99 before Andre Godal came down and made an equally crazy shot over him to tie the game before he then stole the ball from Durant and kicked it up to Clay for the game winning three. Uh or go ahead three. But um yeah, not having him on because he missed pretty much a whole quarter worth of the second half, I think. Yeah. He sat for a long time. And that that allowed Clay to get cooking and uh and and got allowed Golden City to get some momentum before he got back out on the court. The thing I love about this series, and we are I touched on this, but to go a little deeper, is just man, like I can't even wrap my mind around the ramifications. You know what I mean? Like, listen, at this point, I don't even have the energy to get into Durant and free agency and all that. Well, Durant's not going anywhere. It doesn't feel like it. it no. I can't imagine how he could possibly go anywhere at this point. I mean, right. I, it, it just it, at least at least to sign a one year deal and wait and see what Russ does. I don't sure. know how you could look anywhere else and think you got a better chance to win than here. Right. Right. Now. Right. But on the Warriors side, what we're all kind of sleeping on, they've got a ton of free agents. Right. Coming up. And you look beyond at, the fact that they're going for some serious history, right? I mean, they're going to, go, yeah, they're going for history. They'd love to add Durant, things of that nature. But Andre Iguodala, you know, how old is Andre now? Thirty-two-ish. Yeah, thirty-three. I mean, but it's kind of a, it's an older thirty-two. Oh yeah, he's a, he's a, he's an athlete, and he's been he's, he's in a defender. phenomenal shape, right? But uh, you look at a guy like that, and it's just like, man, his next deal. I mean, he, you win Finals MVP, you saved the day by guarding LeBron last year. You come in tonight and do what you did. Um, you know, I mean, that's the Warriors are a good group. You know, we'll see what happens here. I uh, I kind of joked to somebody after the game. I wish there were two days between now and Game Seven, <laughs> so we could actually get a little rest. But it'll be fun. Looking forward to it. What um what what do you think? The, I mean, obviously, you know, as we said earlier, the, the the Warriors do have the big advantage just because they are home. The home team wins so often, but. What do you see? What do you see as the keys going into this to this game seven after being here for this whole series? I mean, the Thunder to me, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they've done such a better job in the postseason of moving the ball, and it, it, they just it was night and day from the regular season where they trusted their teammates. They actually got it moving and right offensively. It was on a whole different level, and it seemed like the narrative was that in the regular season they were tinkering, and that was the basketball laboratory and they were seeing what worked, and, and then they, they implemented things in the yep. playoffs. Yep. But they stopped moving the ball on this one. Right. And tonight tonight they had 16 assists on 38 field goals. The yeah. Warriors had 23 on 36. Right. You know, and so that's big. Um, I don't know what else I would point to other than Kevin and Russ hitting some shots. I mean, to give the Warriors credit for their defense, but those guys, they did miss some open looks. Um, and, you know, I don't know. you got to find something else. Adams – I mean, what do you look at? It's the rebounding battle has been up and down. The Warriors have gotten that in check the last couple of games. To me, to me, Game Seven is going to come down to one thing. It's the same thing that came down to Game Five and Game Six: is which version of Draymond Green shows up. As long as as long as good Draymond shows up, like he was again today, and he was for the majority, I think, of Game Five. I think at home with the crowd behind them, with their guys probably hitting shots, their their bench players are going to be better at home because that's just how it works usually. I think if Draymond is good again, I think they're going to be okay. And, you know, again, Draymond tonight had some moments where he was flinging the ball around a little bit. He was a little loose in transition. You know, he, he looked like he was on the border, maybe chirping too much to the, te- or the officials and picking up another technical foul. But 
he was a monster on the boards again. He had 14, 12, and 6 with three steals and and looked like Draymond Green again. When the last two games here, as you remember, between the you know the infamous kick and, and flying around and looking like he was about to you know have his head just pop off and you know lose his mind most of the time. Um, he he really looked like he was back to his old self again. And as you know, you know when the, when he is when he is on, this team is really on another level. Here you're right, but I like the way you phrase that and use the word when Draymond's good. Right. You, know, you could even say very good. Right. Here's the fascinating part about him. And you could, I mean, psychologists could have a field day with Draymond. Right. Because you didn't say great. Right. You said good. Right. And they kind of need him just to be good. He just has to be good. Yeah. He just like, has really to be. Really good's okay. Right. If he's better than good, that's fine. Great. He just He just has to be good. It's, he's got to stay in his lane. And yeah. you know that we've talked to some folks with the team where that's, yeah. that's kind of the, the idea. Is staying in your lane, and so here's a little and, visual. And tonight, for you. and tonight, to, just to just to back that up before you get into your point, he has 14 points. He takes 11 shots. Yeah. He has 12 rebounds, six yeah. assists, three steals, and a block. Like that's that's a Draymond Green game. If he's shooting 20 times, that's a bad that's a bad sign. And it's also got a ripple effect in the locker room. Yeah. People say that's not who we are. Right. What are you doing? Right. So tonight, um, as we all do, we run around and try to catch people to have some interesting conversations. And Draymond's walking out, and as you've seen, he's doing his uh, Bleacher Report uninterrupted. Draymond video. Green is doing more media than media people are doing media. It's like amazing. I, I'm, I'm not even trying to talk to him on the side anymore just to give him a break. Yeah. And he's got his his kind of designated video guy from an inter- uninterrupted and right. walking out of the building. Yeah, so, so people know, in case they don't, Draymond Green is, is part of the, the LeBron's uninterrupted thing, and he's been doing kind of a video diary during the playoffs, in addition to doing an ESPN diary with our friend Mark Spears, and on top of all his other Sports stuff. Illustrated covers. And right. Local, can be our radio. Right. All of the above. Right. I joked with someone that it's like you could call his phone any hour of the day. <laughs> so like he's more, more available than Donald Trump at this point. Right. I don't say that name. <laughs> so he's he does uninterrupted and they finished their little video shoot as he was walking out of the arena but it struck me that on that particular night he wasn't the guy at the podium right which means that he wasn't great usually the great guys go to the podium right and that's okay because they got the w right and he's walking out and he was literally like walking it was kind of interesting because there was no team bus he was just going towards the loading dock and he, uh, is, right before he left, he looks up at the TV screen, and Kevin and Russ are doing their press conference. Right. And there was no audio. Right. But he stopped, and he just kind of like, looked it, was, at it. it was about two or three seconds, like a quick beat, where he just looked up, and it, in my head, it kind of, it was, you know, the story was unfolding. Sure. Where it was like, you know, see you on Monday type of deal. And it was, but it was subtle, and it was like, he clocked out, he'd done his job, Onward and upward, and, right. and you're right, and that's the line he's got to walk because 11 shots some on some nights is hard for him because he he enjoys being that guy that the whole world says you might be the actual MVP of the Warriors. Right. That's he can't push that too far. No, he's got to be this guy. No, no, and that, and that's been that's been that's been kind of the internal struggle. You mentioned it with this Warriors team, like going back to before Steve Kerr came back. You know, Draymond. Draymond's gotten so much success this year and so much attention and so much good has happened because of the way he's played and kind of become their second point guard and letting Steph come off the ball and averaging, you know, seven assists a game and all the stuff he's done. 
there at like you mentioned there has been at times a bit of an internal dynamic where um where there is a bit of a tug of war in terms of trying to get everybody to be in, uh, stay in the right lane and do the right things and stay do what they're supposed to do and i think you've seen the last two games you know when the rubber hit the road and this team needed to do what it needed to do to win these games they've stepped up like like you'd expect a team that's got a chance to be an all-time great team to do and really you know everybody's done their job and now you know now it sets up for for a game 7 on monday that you know has got a chance to just um, to you know, I mean, it, the ramifications are just crazy on both sides. I mean, you've got you've got these two Hall of Famers on the Thunder who are trying desperately to get back to the finals, go up against the guy that beat them four years ago in LeBron. Um, you've got the Warriors trying to finish off the greatest season of all time if they can. Not only that, but they're trying to go beat a fully healthy Cavs team. Sure, that nobody thinks they would have beat. Well, that is before. that is the thing we probably should talk about quick before we go. Like. You know, and we talked about this, and we heard people talk about this. After game four, the Vultures were circling around this team. And there are a lot of people, for a lot of different reasons, we can get them to them if you want, that were ready to pounce on these guys and say, ah, Golden State's overrated. Ah, Golden State got lucky last year. Ah, this team isn't as good as everybody thinks. Steph Curry might not be as good as everybody thinks. Draymond Green might not be as good as everybody thinks. Clay Thompson might not be as good as everybody thinks. They got lucky. And none, and like they had, a, if they didn't win this season, if they lose tomorrow or Monday, it'd be the same thing. Their 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 season and last season, in the eyes of many people, will be invalidated. And so, I mean, even more than this season, they basically have their identity as a team on the line right now, which is crazy, given that they won sixty-seven games and won a championship last year. But like, it is remarkable how many people have been ready to pounce on these guys and say, "Hey, look, we were right about you guys the whole time." No question. I mean, that's a that's a whole nother podcast. But I will say that watching tonight and thinking, and I don't know if the Warriors deserve criticism for this. You know, we, everybody's heard about owner Joe Lacob and his comments in the New York Times Magazine article about being light years ahead and yada yada yada. Yes. That, that ticked off a lot of people. In, yes. in the NBA. But beyond that, you even had I was chewing on this one. Steve Kerr has been when people ask him how long do you want to be an NBA coach, right? He said recently that. He envisions himself. Ten years, yeah. right? Yeah. And the only thing that kind of struck me about that was that, and I don't blame Steve for, for kind of talking this way, but it had this feeling like, well, we, what we all agree on is that we're going to dominate for years and years and years and years. I mean, all of a sudden, you're looking at this series going, what if they would have lost in five games? Joe Lacob's a crazy owner like everybody else. <laughs> I mean, who knows? I mean, I'm not saying Steve Kerr would have gotten fired, no. but like, like there's a shelf life that would be a whole lot shorter yeah. if they weren't winning titles. Things things change on a crazy dime in the NBA. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I remember we were sitting here in the same city probably two and a half, three weeks ago now, start of the fourth quarter of game four, probably in the exact same seats we're in today, looking at Kevin Durant sitting on the scores table, wondering, is this the last home game Kevin Durant's ever going to play here? Right. Kevin Durant scores 16 or 18 points in the fourth quarter. He beats the Spurs basically by himself. Three weeks later... They're, they're a one-fourth quarter away from going to the finals, up eight on the Warriors. They're up five with five minutes left. And then, you know, Clay Thompson has 19 in the fourth quarter, and they flip that around. It's right. just it's remarkable in this sport. You, you can go back and look time and time again, year after year, how many little moments like that will flip things and how something that seems like it's so set for so long, it looks like somebody set up the win for five years in a row, Bang, bang, bang! Two, three things happen before you know it. I mean, how about careers the change in 2012? Yeah, 
That's what we thought we were going to Yeah, do. Russ Westbrook getting run into by Patrick Beverly or right. Serge Ibaka pulling a calf muscle or Durant's foot. Durant, or Kevin Durant stepping on most Bates' foot last year. Like, just crazy stuff happens. Yeah. So, yeah, it, uh, it should be something. Um, we've... We are up late enough. I think it's time to go to bed. Yep. Uh, Get out of my room, buddy. Go ahead and uh, <laughs> go ahead and plug some. Go ahead and plug some stuff for the people before we sign off here, Sammy. Uh, we're doing the NBA A to Z podcast. Maybe you'll, you'll send us a copy of this. I'm sure, and then we'll just run it on ours too. <laughs> for um, sure. My buddy Jeff Zilget, who's the great Jeff Zilget, getting a few days off after the Cavs took care of business against Toronto. So that's about it. USAToDaySports.com, Twitter, at Sam underscore Amick. That's about all the coherent thought I can muster at 4.30 <laughs> in the morning. Well, Sam's, Sam's a good friend and a, and a better writer, so you should follow him wherever you can. Follow him. He loves to do Snapchat. Go follow him on there, too. I don't even We're know not going to talk about the fans? No fan talk? No fan talk. <laughs> no, no fan talk by you, man. Um, you can find the Posting Up Podcast on iTunes. Please give it a five-star rating and review there. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Tim Bontemps and on Facebook at Tim Bontemps NBA. You can read my work at the Washington Post and on our website, which is WashingtonPost.com. Um, I think that's enough for today, though. I'm going to go pack and sleep a little bit, and then it's off to Oakland for Game 7, and then potentially uh, either Warriors-Cavs in Oakland on Thursday or Cavs-Thunder in Cleveland on Thursday, but... Either way, it's been a remarkable night and should be a a pretty fascinating game Monday and games after that. So, Sam, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. And everybody else listening, thank you, and we'll talk to you again soon.